On this week's episode of DLN Extend, we discuss what it takes for us to find our forever distro. This episode of DLN Extend is brought to you by DigitalOcean and Bitwarden. Welcome to episode 32 of DLN Extend. DLN Extend is a community-powered podcast. We take conversations from the DLN community from places like the DLN Discourse Forums, Telegram Groups, Discord Server, and more. We also take topics from other shows around the network and give our takes. Hey, uh, Matt, Wendy. I'm really sorry about this, guys, but um, I'm in the Wapusk National Park. Hot on the trail of a Charmeleon. I understand this is a distant cousin of a Geeko, the OpenSUSE Chameleon, and I'm on a mission to find out. So I'll, I think this is going to be a winner. And with me today is my fantastic co-host, Wendy. Apparently, Nate is still out chasing uh, Pokemon. I don't, I don't know where he is right now. I haven't listened to the message. I guess so we'll, we'll all find out together then. Yes, yes, we will. So, Wendy, what have you been up to? In all honesty, we had um, co-op starting again. So I have just been running around trying to get stuff done for school. Hopefully soon I will be settling back into a, a regular routine and I will have something more to talk about than holy crap, kids. <laughs> what have you been up to? I have been messing around with the Pine phone. Uh, oh, my- I'm envious of everybody on the network who has got one of these recently so first impressions overall i'm really enjoying it it is very hackery as far as like getting things to work and all that kind of stuff but i'm really enjoying it uh, from a hardware build quality perspective um i have a one one plus seven t as my android primary driver really good quality phone the pine phone's about as thick as that with like a clear plastic case that is my one plus uh, with a clear plastic case on it so it's really not that thick it's not like certain other companies who make bricks that uh you know they claim as a phone it's been a really interesting experience i do have a demo iso that has about 13 different os's for the pine phone on it that i'm gonna test so that gives me some of the more oddball kind of distros and uh os's on the pine phone to test so i'm really looking forward to that the, the two i'm really looking tr- to try is one's sailfish os and the other one is luna os which is a continuation of web os and i've talked about the uh, luna os prior in one of the up- other episodes so i'm really looking forward to trying that it's been an interesting experience you can also expect a potential review from either me, Michael, you know, whoever whoever on the network has gotten on, you can probably expect some type of review either on the shows or on, on YouTube. Absolutely. I can't wait to have one myself. It's in the future. Uh, I will say the convergence, uh, the convergence edition, the, the three gig, 32 gig storage version, the convergence dock that they have, the USB-C convergence dock is actually really good quality. You know, m- most people will think like you're spending $200 on a, on a hackery phone. So the build quality is going to be garbage, the, the accessories and all that stuff. The packaging is actually really nice. It's very straightforward, obviously. There's not a lot to it. Phone quality, the screen quality, the brightness, all that stuff is really nice. The USB-C convergence dock that they have is actually really nice because you can actually, they put another USB-C port on the, on the convergence device so you can actually power it um, and charge the phone at the same time. 
So that was really cool to see because I was expecting, oh, it's Kafir's device, so you're just going to plug it in and you have no way to actually charge the phone while you're using it, like on a like desktop or whatever. Right, so, yeah. that, so that was kind of cool. Uh, there's two USB USB Type A ports. There's the USB C charging port. There's the USB C plug it for the phone into the phone, and then there's HDMI out. So and there's also hardwired Ethernet on the USB C adapter for like the actual dock, which is really cool. That is nice. And the best part about all of this is it comes in this really budget friendly package. Uh, with shipping for to the states, it costs two hundred and fifteen dollars for the that particular version. Um, so nice. this is obviously the post-market OS version, not the Manjaro ARM one that they're working on right now or, you know, whatever other ones that they might roll out later down the line. So yeah. it's been really fun to play with, though, as far as that. It's just it's always I love new hardware, but I love hardware that has a purpose and you kind of see it through that the eyes of the purpose. This is a developer phone for developers of software off that you know specifically Linux software to target and build around. So that to me is kind of like a you know that gives them a baseline to test against. That to me is really awesome because then we'll, then we'll be seeing kind of different UIs, different flavors, you know, that responsive UI kind of thing. So it's it's really cool. This episode of DLN Extend is sponsored by DigitalOcean. DigitalOcean offers the simplest, most developer-friendly cloud platform. It's optimized to make managing and scaling apps easy with an intuitive API, multiple storage options, integrated firewalls, load balancers, and more. DigitalOcean recently announced new features and services such as Virtual Private Cloud, or VPC, all regions free of charge. This lets you create multiple private networks to isolate your workload. Container Registry is now available to all users. Easily store and manage private container images and push images seamlessly to DigitalOcean's Kubernetes. You can get all of this plus access to their world-class customer support for as low as $5 per month. Get started on DigitalOcean for free with a $100 credit by going to do.co slash DLN. And you can use that $100 credit for spinning up over a dozen droplets or even some monster-sized droplets for two months. Again, get started on DigitalOcean with that $100 credit by going to do.co slash DLN. So this past week, I had been on Salient OS for a good year, at least right now. Well, after twice now of something happened with Arch distros, I have officially jumped shipped and jumped over to uh, Pop OS. That's a big jump going from a rolling Arch release to, I guess you would say, quote unquote, stable Ubuntu release. Not only did I just change the underlying OS, like, base for Linux. I also changed the desktop environment <laughs> because I'm a, I'm a plasma guy. Well, just let you know, just like you're a plasma person. Yeah. So long story short, basically what happened is I had a working system. The sound card in the Lenovo got borked. So I had to reinstall a couple of weeks, a uh, week or two ago, maybe a little bit longer. And after I got that issue fixed, I'd had the graphics card stuff sorted out. It was working great. Ever since then, I've had these weird issues with in this NVIDIA card. So, you know, take it for what it is. But there's just been weird issues where it just won't 
either log in, you'll sit at the screen, you'll try blacklisting the drivers, you'll, you know, you just, you try doing everything and it just won't work. Oh, and, I'm, goodness. and I'm just like, I'm kind of over it. And I, I'm not one to just like jump ship. <laughs> like I'll try to fix my own problems. But after a while, it's just like, this is a production machine. I can't have it down forever. Right. So, when you sit down to work, you need to be able to just get your work done and move on with your day. Yeah. So the, the graphics thing was the, the, like kind of the last draw for me, like before it wasn't, it was just, it wouldn't log in if you didn't type in the password and whatever, it was just a big blank screen. So like the, uh, was it SDDM wouldn't load up, it would load in the background kind of, but like it wouldn't display. So you just think you're staring at a black screen, whatever. That, that's not the big of you. Some update rolled down. I don't know when, and <laughs> okay, that didn't fix that problem no more. (laughs) (laughs) I think talking, what is it, do we look for in our quote unquote forever distros? Because we all go through this stage where it's kind of like apartment hunting or anything else. So like not so much, Lennox is a little bit different, obviously, because you're going to try to live in these for a little bit longer than an apartment. But you 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 try test driving these for some type of extended length of time to see if they fit for you. Now, for me, flexibility is kind of key, but I'm to the point in hours, like I just kind of want stuff to work. I'm done with my days of jumping around and don't, don't get me wrong. I still have esoteric, you know, distros I like to play with. And that, that sense of exploration is still there. It's just not on my production stuff. So like I have specific hardware or I'll have a specific device. Like that's, that's its function. That's its function. That's what it does. So to take the Unix approach to stuff, that is what I do with a piece of hardware. Oh, you're a distro test machine. Awesome. Like that's its feature. That's its function. When it comes to like actual productions, I just, I I take the lot of storables approach. I just want my crap to work at this point. I got better stuff to do. (laughs) I really do. You know, like you mentioned, Wendy, like you've had issues with NVIDIA drivers before, and this isn't just a NVIDIA kind of slugfest about Linux support and stuff. There, There are other issues, but you've mentioned you've had, you know, issues with like graphics cards and stuff before. And that's why you go to AMD because it didn't, you don't have the headache. So for me, as weird as this sounds, and I'm a plasma guy and I like flexibility and I like customization and all this other stuff, going to Pop! OS was the like lowest barrier to entry. And how has that changed your workflow? Because that's not plasma, right? It's completely Uh, different. That is not plasma indeed. (laughs) (laughs) For those that don't know, I am not a big fan of gnome just it's people can talk about liking us workflow and all that stuff but it's very elementary os and its approach to workflow you either like that workflow or you don't there's really no in between now you can talk about extensions and i'll get into that in a second but the overall change has been kind of a pain in the rear because it requires a bunch of rethinking on how i do stuff so it's been a Big transition, not only transitioning distros, but entire workflows are transforming. So is this something you're going to stay with in this forever distro type realm? Is this something that you're going to stick with for a long time? Or is it just kind of testing the right grounds, getting a system that's up and running so you can get your work done and you're going to continue trying to feeling out what that end space is? I have found that for this particular machine, it's probably going to stay a Pop! OS machine. Just because the there are things that System76 has done 
as it relates to pop os and gnome specifically that i do like the drop down selector for your graphics cards the fact that i don't have the login issues and the black screen of de- a big black screen of nothing essentially uh, when i am on nvidia or you know whatever graphics driver i'm on it just works yeah. doesn't matter if i switch or not it, it just works that is something that to me, I can deal with a change in workflow if it gives me something that just works to start with. And despite any annoyances and any preconceived notions that I might have about like how I work with GNOME, for me, it's just it, it really boils down to just having a system that works and I can readjust. It's I can't a down system is not a system I can use. A system that requires me to actually readjust and might take me a little bit longer to do stuff. At least I'm getting the stuff done. It just might take me longer. And that's kind of where I'm at. So for this particular machine, yeah, it'll, it'll be staying Pop OS for now. You know, go, going from an Arch system and Plasma, you know, you have all the customization in the world and basically hey, everyone talks about the AUR, up-to-date software, all that, all, all that stuff. For me, Flatpak, Snaps, solves probably 90% of the stuff that I need out of, out of that particular realm as far as up-to-date software and stuff. So I'm really not missing out much in that regard. Some of the apps that are in the AUR <clears throat> that I do miss, like, yeah, those are kind of, but they're, they're, not, they're not everyday apps. They're not essential to me. You I have need them to get your work done. Yes, exactly. I have less apps to play with, but I have more apps to focus on what I actually need. So like, I don't have a lot of the ancillary applications to mess around with or try or et cetera. So it is what it is. But for me, I don't know about you. I've just gotten to the point where I just want stuff to work. I got stuff to do. When it comes to computing, computers are tools. An operating system is a tool to help me get the job done at the end of the day. And that's what I need. Linux 99% of the time does just that for me. So, but in fairness, I haven't totally jumped shit because I also have an old elite book that I use as a workstation too. That was my backup system. That is a strictly a NVIDIA card, works perfectly fine, which I've been doing all my other editing on. So I'm still an Arch slash Plasma user, but I also am a Ubuntu-based slash Pop! OS user now too. <laughs> A little bit of both extreme. Well, yes. I guess not. You're not full on like Debian where it takes their cycle is so much longer. So I guess you're not quite on both extremes. And like I said, you know, I've always been one to find the distro for the hardware and not me for the hard, you know, not me trying to put a distro on a hardware that the, the hardware doesn't want to want it to work. Yeah. And and finally, after heading on to the third time of fixing stuff, I was just like, okay, the, <laughs> this isn't working anymore. <laughs> so... I, I jumped. In your case, when you got into Linux, you went all hippity hoppity and jumping all over the place. I did. Well, and the reason why I switched to Linux as we talked last time was because I couldn't sit down and just get my work done. I was having constant issues with Windows, but it did take some time of playing with everything because it, it's this whole new world when you enter Linux. You've got these different desktop environments and these different types of packages and and all of that stuff is a bit overwhelming and you got to test things out and figure out, well, what do I want? And I started with the first one I installed, Cub, something like that. It was 
a Google-esque looking type of of Linux. So it looked like you were on a Chromebook essentially. And it was kind of neat looking and kind of fun to play with because I'd never played with a Chromebook before that either. So it was just kind of interesting to kind of play with and dip my toes into the water. But eventually I found Fedora and the first operating system that I fell in love with was Cora, Corora, however you want to pronounce it. And that one stayed my quote unquote forever disho for a long time because it had everything I needed. The apps that I used on a regular basis that I wanted to be upgraded, I was still getting lots of newness there. The system was stable because like you, I still wanted to just be able to get my work done. So stability is very important to me and having especially the photography apps, GIMP, Darktable, that kind of thing. When they get updates, I want those updates because they typically have features in them that makes what I do or things that I want to do faster, easier. I, I want those updates quickly. And while Flatpak and Snap have come out since, I have been part of the Linux world, they're not something I really played with much. I mean, you know, I've had issues with um, Snap, especially GIMP as a Snap, and then going to print something off and it won't print because it can't talk to the printer. And then um, Flatpaks, them not integrating into the start menu. So even though I know through the Linux news that those things are getting better, especially in specific distros, they are packages that I've pretty much stayed away from for the most part. So when my forever distro went away, it didn't last forever, unfortunately. Not that I need um, all of those apps pre-installed for me now. It, it was great getting started, as I talked about last week, because it helped me figure out what was going on, what apps I wanted to use in that transition. I moved to OpenSUSE for a while, and that one was running great, which Nate would be so happy to hear. And he helped me a lot when I was first getting started with it and running it. I really enjoyed still staying with the RPM package manager. That was easy. You know, there were some changes as far as updating packages. Some people like to do that from the graphical interface. I've always really enjoyed it just to run it from the terminal. So there was a few changes there, but for the most part, it felt really comfortable. I still had the up-to-date stuff that I need. I could install the non-free repos like I could in Fedora and pull the stuff that I wanted. And what ended up making me jump from OpenSUSE, because I thought that was a forever home, was getting OpenCL on my AMD graphics card. Because inside Darktable, they can take use of OpenCL, which allows my graphics card to take some of the heavy lifting away from the CPU in rendering and processing different images. And at the time, I had a 6th gen i7. And in some of these larger images, getting my graphics card to help with that workload was really, really important. And that is where an Arch based in the AUR came into play. I was watching, oh, it was the, the Radeon 7 video that Das Geek did. And he had someone there, I can't remember, it was brother, friend, something like that, was there showing the different things going on in Blender in this video game production. And he mentioned OpenCL support and how quickly and easily it was to install through the AUR. And I'm like, oh, that's it. I, I need that 
in my life because I'd been struggling to get that elsewhere. I would have it to install the AMD official drivers and I just wasn't liking the way that that was messing with gameplay because those drivers directly from AMD are made specifically for work. They're pro drivers and it made the few games we play not run quite as well. So with the AUR version, you could still have the better gameplay and at the same time have the OpenCL support that I wanted. And I've been running Manjaro now. Oh my goodness. We're going on over a year and a half this December. It'll be two years that I've been running Manjaro as my main system. It's not only on my main desktop computer, it's what I run on my kitchen system. It's what's run on the laptop that my daughter uses. So it, it's an an operating system I love in it because it hit all key points. For me, it's been very stable. That's the advantage of having Manjaro instead of straight Arch is there's a little bit of testing. There's a little bit of slowdown between the packages. And when I get them, I still get new and fresh, but there is a bit of a buffer there. The rest of the Arch community is testing for me. So when I do an upgrade for the most part, it's good to go. I can just update, things work, and I have the new packages directly from the repositories that I like to use, plus the advantage of like the OpenCL, OpenCL drivers in the AUR so I can quickly install them and get to work. For me, total all, it's the, the package that I need to get my work done on a day-to-day basis and what I've overall enjoyed. Yeah, I was going to say a lot of that I think is you end up exploring so much after a while that you finally, if you jump around as much as say you were, you know, I mean, you went from RPM, RPM sort of with zipper and stuff, then you went to uh, Arch, (laughs) um, or an Arch base, sorry, don't want to make the Arch fanboys mad. You know, you end up on that and you find what you really there's always that driving force of finding what you really need and yeah. why you need it so like in your case you constantly obviously need the latest versions of dark table as an example you obviously need OpenCL, and you know there's very specific things that you need and so an arch-based distro fits that bill for you and obviously there's no headaches for what you're using it for. If my husband was picking the distro, for him, just a straight up Ubuntu would be great. Maybe not GNOME, because we did run that for a while in the beginning as I was testing different things, and that wasn't necessarily his favorite kind of workflow through too. So basic Ubuntu for him, because all he needs is LibreOffice to be able to do his billing type stuff, be able to game the games he wants to, which works great over Steam, and then and, um, you know, access to a browser, those three things. And any one of those more static distros would be perfect for him if it was just his computer. So our needs differ and the, the version of Linux that is on our computer is because of my needs and he could do something. I don't want to say more basic because Ubuntu is definitely not basic, but with less rolling updates. I don't want to say end user for something that is more to the normal everyday, less technologically inclined crowd. Right. Because they make a distro for the most part that quote unquote, I hate to use this phrase, but just works. So he could do the the security updates that come along. And other than that, everything else pretty much stays the same and get done what he wants to get done and play what he wants to play. And for Mm -hmm. some people that ticks all the boxes and that can be their forever distro. No problem. 
The nice thing about Linux, like the, the ecosystem and everything about it, though, is you can eventually find your for you know your forever distro your forever home whatever you want to call it as far as an operating system in it sometimes the journey takes a while not gonna lie <laughs> or a situation you know it can be situational oh hey look my distro blew up or whatever you know my my distro is no longer maintained or what have you and i think that's the the biggest thing though is you know, we have that flexibility with different Linux approaches. You know, Solus, as an example, is very focused on home computing, like home computers, laptops, desktop, like traditional laptops, desktops kind of deal. Or then you have something like Elementary OS, which is also very focused on what it's focused on. Or if yeah. you need some, but then you also have the kind of like these weird esoteric distros like eLive, which uses like Enlightenment 16. <laughs> so like but it's built on Debian. Each one of those cases, you're going to find a user or a user will find it. And regardless of that user's approach, and you know, like, like I said, for me, like what I need out of the machine that I switched to Pop! OS, that's what Pop! OS works good for. So I'm not going to be like, ah, oh, well, it's the wrong brand of tool. So I'm not going to use it. <laughs> I, I don't care if it's national, uh, the national or the, 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 the general store brand. What I care about is it, the tools still do the same thing. If the answer is yes, at the end of the day, I don't care. And I think for me, that's kind of where I'm at now. Again, I do have a, another production machine that yes, is still a salient OS for me. And I think for a lot of people is once you kind of jump through everything you're looking for, end up landing on what you need and kind of what your approach to computing is. So like uh, for me, I think there's a, there's a distro and OS for every outlook and approach to computing in the Linux sphere, which I think is probably one of its biggest strengths because you, you, Oh, Hey, look, I need a pen testing distro. Well, there's, you know, art strike, there's Cali, there's take your pick, you know, though. Or, Hey, look, I need a gaming focused OS. Why not try gamer OS? <laughs> you know, it's just like the, the Steam OS. They're, they're very specific needs and stuff that can be met. And I, th- I honestly think that's what helps people find for their for forever home in a distro. In your case, the forever distro for that machine, not necessarily yeah. your specific one, but it's very targeted to the machine and what you're doing on it, which is absolutely wonderful. Yeah, exactly. And like like my approach to computing as a whole doesn't fall into like a specific thing. So like my approach is more machine specific. So for me, Pop! OS works better on this machine. So Alien works better on this one. The, uh, the Ryzen system that I have, obviously I'm going to probably stick a Arch-based system on it because the Mesa and the uh, kernel updates for the drivers and stuff are in those newer releases. So obviously I'm going to probably use an Arch-based distro. So it's stuff like that where you can kind of tailor either your expectations or what you need for the machine is kind of how my approach has always been. So that approach works really well when something just kind of doesn't want to work. <laughs> I'm not going to lie though. The one downfall with that approach is you have to be willing to adapt. And, and in my case, I have to adapt to using GNOME now. And I have not used GNOME as a daily driver since Unity, just say it. And Unity wasn't GNOME. <laughs> so, so big changes for you. For, for big, big changes and I, I have to adapt. I'm not saying it's a good or a bad thing. It's just, yes, there are things that I personally would like to see a little bit different, but I also have to understand they have a way they want to present things. 
And that's totally fine. I think it's, I think sometimes we get, because we found our forever home. And then when things have to change sometimes, or you got to change the flooring, or you got to change something, you're like, bah humbug, get off my lawn. (laughs) It it can be frustrating to to change and change your workflow. Well, and when when in my hopping days, I didn't mind so much. After I'd find a place where I was really happy, there was almost this sense of of panic for a little bit because I had become so comfortable in that zone that the thought of jumping around and trying to find something else that just fit me that well had had kind of an an overwhelming and and daunting sense. It happened. I, I found what worked for me again, but I can understand the people who maybe they're hesitant to try some of these distributions that only have one or two people working on them, you're afraid to like them because what happens if they're they're gone all of a sudden and you had this thing that you loved and it was perfect for the way you work or the way you play and now it's just not there anymore. You can call them boutique distros, you can call them esoteric distros, you know, the, those one, one, two man band projects basically. There's always some of that reality that some of these distros could just kind of not be there in the morning. And that, that that is something to be concerned about. What I've always looked at it and kind of the reason I don't go with things like, like I use isoteric distros, but all those isoteric distros are usually based on bigger distros. Right, yeah. So like, I love the work the guys over at Solus do. Don't get me wrong. I don't want to be that guy that's uh, like I'm ragging on like independent projects, you know, Chaos and Solus and all those guys, they do fantastic work. But there's always that lingering thought in the back of my head. What if these guys aren't around? And it it... For some people, that is a valid concern. I'm not saying it should be the only concern that you can look at when you're looking for for your forever home in a distro, but it is definitely something that you might want to take into account. But hey, if it works for you and you're fine with, I don't want to say the YOLO approach to things, but if you're fine with the the solution that they provide, how far outweighs that that little nagging question, then run, then by all means run with it. That's kind of where I fall on that. Boutique distros have their place. It's just, you know, and I hate the term boutique distros, but more niche specific distros and, you know, what what they are looking for. I definitely get where you're coming from with that. And I definitely agree that sometimes the change thing can be a little jarring and a little hard to, to do, you know, just speaking from experience on that one right now. But well, and you more so because it wasn't just a underlying system change it's a desktop environment change which you know sometimes that happens too sometimes you find one that ends up working better i started with xfce went to gnome gnome however you want to pronounce it and then ended up landing on plasma as my oh man this is perfect. So my journey into GNOME has consisted of about installing 20 extensions for me to make GNOME useful. That's so not... these are must-have extensions in order no, to no, make no, your no. workflow work? or They are must-have extensions for me, not for everybody else. Right, for, for your, your workflow. As, well, as an example, like there's a, a status, I think it's System Monitor Next, I think isn't the name of the add-on, or sorry, extension that actually makes the the top header bar in GNOME actually useful. Um, <laughs> so, and another one, there's one, I think it's the same app where it, it actually moves the time clock from the dead center of the GNOME uh, 
panel there at the top and moves that back over to the more traditional like right side of the the desktop and then yeah. then moves like all the i guess applets indicator i don't know what you know i'm calling them anymore applets indicators you know the the Pretty clicky things, things on the top. The yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I don't know what Gnome's calling them anymore. I really don't. So it m- kind of moves the clock over here. But once you start adding those applets, it looks like more of a traditional "quote unquote" menu. So that those were one of the extensions that I had to have. Another one was for some reason Gnome. Now this is a, a design choice, and I understand that they have their vision of how people want to interact. And they want people to interact with the desktop. I get it. There's when you bring up the activities menu, there's the the application menu is all the way down on the bottom, like right hand corner. You can't move it by default. You can't move it. For me, coming from Plasma, and I'm saying this guy as a Plasma user, I would prefer that to be on the top of the favorites panel. So there, there's one that literally just moves the 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 launcher icon from the the bottom of it to the top of it. And that's it. Yeah. It's a minor workflow thing. Personally, I, if I'm criticizing GNOME for anything, why can't you just make the stupid thing drag or drop like you do on the applications? That's just me. But so th- those are just some of the extensions I needed. There's one for transparency because seeing a big black giant ugly bar taking up, <laughs> t- t- taking up, you know, probably a hundred, I don't know, I'd say 20 or 30 pixels on the top is just annoying to me. So I have a transparency uh, add-on that I use. Uh, there are some fantastic extensions for GNOME though. There is one that basically turns the activities launcher into your file browser. Oh, nice. So you can go into different folders like music and all that kind of stuff. It looks very, it's almost like what Unity was trying to do when you went to like the file scope, but it makes it so that you can actually do most of your file management, not file management, but your file browsing within that. And it's called a files view. And then you launch it with, I believe it's meta F and it's fantastic. I actually really, really like it um, because it's a quick visual visual representation of all your stuff. That to me is really, really, really cool. So there is some fantastic stuff that you can find in the extension stuff. I just don't personally, I personally care for the fact that it takes 20 different individually maintained different codes to actually make something useful for me. Whereas a lot of the stuff that tweaks that I do in plasma is more like aesthetic things. So like, you know, I move the head, like some of the title bars and stuff to the left, move the panel to the left and I change a theme and that's pretty much my customizations to plasma. Um, I don't do much to customize plasma either for the most part. I I mean, I changed some sleep settings um, like you changed the theme. So I guess that's one thing that has to, my forever distro has to have is a dark theme or a way to have a global dark theme, which most of them do anymore. Um, So that that's quite important. And then, Otherwise, I make other tweaks and changes as I'm going along when a system is freshly set up. So that's one thing that I love about Plasma and why one of the reasons it's become my, I I guess, forever desktop environment. Because if you go, you click on, right click on a window, go to more actions, you have keep above others, keep below others, and then you have special configurations that you can do for that application. So it'll open in a specific place, in a specific size, every time you go to open that window. So that helps keep my workflow 
very steady. I know where windows are opening. I know um, what size they're opening. And that just kind of helps keep as I've got multiple things going on. Everything where I want it. I don't have to worry about resizing it. Just super key type name, enter. It pops up right where I want it to be and continue going on my day without any of the window rearranging stuff going on. And I actually use the keep above others on a regular basis. It's amazing how often I use it as I'm working on different things. And I'm like, I want to be able to see this window as I'm doing this. I don't want it to hide behind stuff as I'm doing moving things around or working on stuff. It's one of the most valuable, simple things that you can get from your desktop environment. I, I do want to make it clear. I'm not trashing GNOME. I'm just saying it, it takes a lot. It's a different approach to how I'm currently pastly used to yeah. AD. So obviously there's going to be far many differences from <laughs> what I would consider ideal for me. It doesn't make it bad. I'm just saying for me, it requires a lot of tweaks to make it to work the way I would prefer it to work. We have quite that's a few all. community members who love GNOME. That's the workflow that works best for them. And that that's awesome that there are... <laughs> This is one of the things that I love about Linux is your desktop environment or the one that you pick and the distro you pick and all of that stuff, you have enough choices to find what works best for you, what works best for that machine and not having to stick with whatever's on it and trying to make it work. You can find a forever distro for you. It's just, it might take a little bit. It might not. Everyone's journey is either going to be long or short. Some people it's, you plop them down in front of a, an Ubuntu, you know, standard and they'll be perfectly fine. I like this. This is different. Other people, they want to dig a little deeper. Yeah. You know, it's just like that with Windows users. They, they, they'll they they'll dig deeper and they'll want to like reg edit stuff and all the, all the other stuff, <laughs> you know, to make Windows do things that generically it doesn't or isn't supposed to do. That's kind of what a lot of the people who like customization are and yeah. have a particular thing they're looking for. To each their own and there are plenty of options for everyone. Somebody will be able to find their forever distro and their forever home and forever operating system when it comes to using a Linux distro. It's just sometimes the journey's longer, sometimes it's shorter. This episode of DLN Extend is brought to you by Bitwarden, the easiest, safest way for individuals, teams, businesses, and organizations to store their passwords and other vital, sensitive information. It is not only open source, but has also had third-party auditing on the source code. This is why I've chosen Bitwarden for my password manager. It's easy to get started. Just go to bitwarden.com DLN. The big question is, why do I need a password manager? And that's a good one. Why do you? Well, I'll tell you. Using password123 on all your accounts is just not a good security practice. Also, having the same password for everything is a terrible idea. Remembering all the variations is nearly impossible unless you have some kind of a super memory. And a super memory is something I do not have. And storing passwords on sticky notes or in a spiral-bound notebook is not only inconvenient, it also is a bit lacking in security efficacy. Therefore, I have chosen Bitwarden. This is a password book that I can take with me anywhere. I can have it on different computers, different browsers, on my mobile... Not only is it a safe place for passwords, but also identity and financial account information as well. This feature got me out of a pretty serious jam recently when I had an issue with some safety controls on one of my accounts. I needed to use another card to pay for the rest of the service. Since I didn't take that card with me anywhere, I didn't have it on me, but I did store the information on Bitwarden. I remembered I did this, so I pulled up that account information, paid for the service, and ultimately prevented what could have been a serious life interruption. You can get started with Bitwarden by going to bitwarden.com dln. It's free to use, but if you want to level up and go for the premium features for only $10 a year, 
Not only will you support a great open source project, but also you will unlock premium password security and management features. Bitwarden has saved my bacon numerous times. Now, you wouldn't be able to pry it out of my cold, dead device. We'd like to thank Bitwarden for sponsoring this episode of DLN Extend. So speaking about finding a forever home in you know, a distro, why not add some software to that distro, like Steam, and then go and add some games. And so you know, you're decorating your house with some furniture. How about a game recommendation that I have? What a surprise, Wendy. Never. So what is it this week? Oh, I, what is that? Wait, wait, wait. What is that supposed to mean? I'm supposed to be the one that's sarcastic here, not you. <laughs> you're supposed- <laughs> I thought I tried to use my sarcastic voice. <laughs> you're supposed to be the adult here. I've been hanging around with uh, Michael and Ryan too much, and they're having negative impacts on me. Okay, so the game I actually have is one called Tomb Raider Underworld. Now, there's been two different reboots of Tomb Raider. You have the original, like the 90s and early 2000s ones, which was done by Core Design. And then you have the ones that were done by Crystal Dynamics. So you have Tomb Raider Anniversary, Legend, and Underworld, or the original trilogy done by... Um, Crystal that I originally done by Crystal Dynamic. Then they did the 2013 quote unquote reboot that is a completely different take on Tomb Raider. So then you had Tomb Raider, Rise of Tomb Raider, Shadow of Tomb Raider. This one is the last one in that middle trilogy. It it looks a little dated, but there are some really cool effects. Um, the fire effects are really cool. It's just it's a really really fun game to play. I really can't tell you how much i enjoy this game because you know this is uh 2008 i believe is when this came out even looking at some of the aesthetic stuff in the game it looks really nice like the underwater worlds and uh the exploration the combat is actually nice and solid just a really good fun action adventure game and if those are the type of games that you like definitely worth getting so what have you got on the plate wendy There has been a question a while back inside the photography thread section on the discourse forms. An abstract penguin is really wanting to know what people think of drones. What's the best kind of drone to get in order to take some of these really cool aerial footage, pictures, and possibly do some survey stuff. And one of his concerns is, and I quote, the proprietary monopoly minefield is concerning. I would need unrestricted access to the video and photo files. I've seen this being a nightmare with some of the cheapo drones on the market. And Bruno helps out saying, you know, you're right to be concerned about the restrictions and A lot of this really depends on the country you live in, the area, if you're in the United States, what state you're in, what state you're in, the, are you rural or suburb or, you know, any of that. Some of that makes a difference. I'd say let's jump on to the forum and help abstract penguin out if any of you out there have a drone you've played with drones send some feedback in which model do you have how is it working what kind of access do you have to the pictures and videos can you fully edit it what's the the file type that it produces for you that's not something i've had a chance to play with though they look really cool I love when I see B-roll in videos where it fits of, you know, this beautiful aerial stuff. Seeing some of it go over the ocean makes me a little nervous because I'm like, oh my gosh, that piece of equipment. If it goes down, there's really no getting it back. Amazing. I would love to have one myself, especially when we're up in the mountains doing kind of that kind of stuff. 
it would be really cool to have one. So if you are using one, just jump on the discourse forms and help out a community member on what you're using and how it works. We'd like to continue the discussion with you on Telegram and Discourse, Mumble, or Discord. Visit the DLN website for more information on how to connect to the social channels and also shows and creators, destinationlinux.network. You can find our long-lost other co-host, Nate, at cubiclenate.com with links to his regular written blatherings, podcast, and YouTube channel. You can follow my random ramblings on Twitter, at MattDLN. You can find me on Instagram, at Linux and Lifts. As always, we thank you for joining us. We'll be back next week with another episode of DLN Extend. Until then, have a fantastic week, everyone. Mm-hmm.